You're listening to the seven-part sermon series, Burning Questions, taught by Pastor Ryan Couch at Calvary Chapel of Crook County. Over our seven-part series, we'll be providing biblical answers to your most asked questions. Let's join Pastor Ryan now. Okay, we're going to look at the fifth question in our Burning Questions series. If you're uh, new to uh, this series, if you're new here on, on Wednesday nights, uh, we've been going through a series, seven-week series called Burning Questions, and we've looked at various questions about the Bible, about suffering. Um, last week we talked about heaven, yes, thank you. And we talked about prayer a couple weeks ago, and, and it's, been, it's been a lot of fun. It's been more challenging than I anticipated to prepare for these and, and to study for these and, and to teach these, uh, frankly, it's been a little bit uh, out of my uh, comfort zone. So uh, it's good. But tonight, uh, we're going to talk about angels. And so uh, maybe you, uh, you know, maybe, maybe it's a, a topic that is of interest to you. It certainly is for a lot of other people. Uh, and, and the question that I want to kind of address is, what about angels? Uh, are we given a personal one? Uh, maybe what you might refer to as a guardian angel. Uh, do they heal people? Uh, maybe you've seen uh, some of the, the latest uh, quote-unquote revivals that are going on. Uh, one down in Florida where uh, there's claims that angels are showing up and raising people from the dead and healing people and sending holy fire down on the place and and, and it's really, the, the credit seems to be given more uh, to angels for some reason. Uh, do they heal people? Uh, can they give psychic abilities? We want to talk a little bit about that. Basically, what do we know of angels and what is their purpose? If you have a Bible, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14, we'll start there. The book of Hebrews is basically a series of topics and, and things that are brought up to show that Jesus is better than those things. And the first that the writer brings up is angels, and it's to show that Jesus is better than the angels. And then if you look there in verse 14 of chapter 1, it says, Speaking of angels, are they not all ministering spirits? And so that tells you a little bit about angels. They're, they're spirits. They don't have a body. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister, to serve, for those who will inherit salvation? So it gives you a little bit of an idea of, of who angels are and what their purpose is. They're sent forth to minister, to serve believers. Now, pop culture certainly has its own ideas about angels and about their purpose, about who they are, about uh, everything to do with angels. And one thing is for sure, our culture, at least over the last 20 years, takes angels seriously. Uh, the views are, are mostly conjecture uh, and fantasy, really, uh, but really not rooted in, in biblical truth at all, but it does illustrate for us people's fascination with angels and 
And it really indicates an interest in spiritual things in general. Uh, I remember probably when I was like in high school, it seemed like. I mean, angel decor was all the rage. I mean, it was just everywhere. And, and, and people were just littering their homes with, with all things angels. And over the last 20 years, Time, Newsweek, Ladies Home Journal, Red Book, and a host of other popular magazines have carried articles about angels. Uh, in the mid-90s, ABC aired a two-hour primetime special titled Angels, the Mysterious Messengers. Uh, again, in the mid-90s, Newsweek's um, had an article titled In Search of the Sacred. They observed that 20% of Americans have had a revelation from God in the last year and that 13% have seen or sensed the presence of an angel. In 1990, a book was written called An Endangered Species, uh, referring to angels. The author, Michael Godwin, estimates that over the last 30 years, so this would have been from 1960 to 1990, one in every ten pop songs mentions an angel. It's kind of interesting. Uh, Oprah's organization, her philanthropic organization, is called the Angel Network. Uh, if you watch Oprah, you're, you're bombarded with, with that, the Angel Network. It, it morphed into a, a TV show. Uh, what was that called? Anybody remember? Touched by an Angel? No, that, no, 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 no. No, she had like a show where she gave money to people and you go and be an angel to somebody. What? Something like that, yeah. There was the show Touched by an Angel. Uh, you know, was that the one with Michael Landon? That was a different one, right? What was that called? Highway to Heaven. Yeah, that, and he was an angel, right? Yeah. Uh, there's the movie The Preacher's Wife. Angel shows up, the whole deal there. So, I mean, pop culture is kind of flooded with, with all things angels. And there's an important question uh, that needs to be asked. Why all the fascination in our culture with angels? First of all, there's always a bent in man for the miraculous and for the supernatural. Uh, for that which lifts him out of the mundane, out of the, the daily routine, at, even if for a moment... People are drawn to that, something that will, that, that, that's supernatural, that's different. But there's more to it than just that. The interest in angels, uh, experts really believe, is due, due in large part to pendulum swings in society. In, in the past, society had swung from the gross mystical speculations of the Middle Ages. If you know anything about history, you know that the Middle Ages... Uh, were filled with uh, mysticism and, and with that kind of thinking and, and spiritual thinking, and, and, and it, was, it was huge. But this, this moved into the rationalism of the late 1800s and early 1900s, what you might call modernistic thinking, and, and now due in part to the failure of rationalism and materialism to give answers and meaning to life, the emptiness of man's heart, along with the futility of his pursuits, has really given rise 
and it's really rebirthed an interest in the supernatural and in the mystical again. And, and we're really living in what you might call a postmodern uh, age. Once again, it's sort of um, launched out of the modernistic uh, period of time that, that we've mostly grown up in. It's sort of turning into a postmodern um, and in this in this postmodern mindset is really interested in all things spiritual. The tragedy is that in our culture, this this interest and this desire for the supernatural uh, really is independent of God's revelation. It has nothing to do with the Bible. It it, it really has a hatred for Christianity. Uh, this, the pendulum has certainly swung towards spiritual things and toward mysticism. In maybe the, the 80s, uh, you, you might have referred to it as the New Age movement. Uh, people will still use that word some, but it's mainly Christians who are afraid of the New Age movement that don't realize that nobody calls it that anymore. It, it's really not called that anymore. It's more of like, you know, the spiritual thought and... And, and just, it's the same thing, and it's been going on for millennia, but it's, it's called different uh, things today. Uh, but certainly this, this, uh, this interest in spiritual things uh, was rooted in the New Age movement, the occult. Uh, and, and in this sort of passion for things of you know, psychic abilities and talking to the dead, uh, which, which is sort of a, a, a big thing uh, over the last few years. Uh, so in light of that, belief in Satan, demons, and angels is far more common today than it has been uh, in a long time, uh, but it's really used as a substitute for a belief in the gospel and in, and in the one and only God. This, this desire to experience the supernatural is, is not a desire to know God. It's, it's a desire to circumvent God and experience Him in your own way. Uh, much like uh, the people that did there in Genesis chapter 10 as they tried to build a, a tower to God. The Tower of Babel. And, and they, were, they were wanting to experience God, but they wanted to experience God in their own terms. And whenever we do that, we end up in absolute uh, chaos and it's a disaster. And so that's really pop culture's mindset about angels and, and the popularity of angels. Uh, certainly Eckhart Tolle. In his book, The New Earth, that is being uh, pushed by Oprah big time. And, and I think it's important as believers that, that, that we're kind of aware of that. It's probably one of the best-selling book today. Uh, it, it is being pushed as the new way to relate to God. And, and you know, I don't have a, a, anything against Oprah personally, but... It, she's really morphed from a, a talk show personality into a religious figure. 
And, and if, if, have you kind of noticed that over the last decade or so? That she's no longer just a really popular TV personality. People look to her as a guru of sorts. And she's watched by tens of millions of people. And she, she has huge influence. Um, and, and so she, what she says about God is, is really taking hold in a lot of people and sadly a lot of Christians who are being deceived into this uh, new earth concept, uh, into this, this idea, this univer, univer, universalism that basically uh, just says that everybody's going to heaven and everybody's good and you just got to find the goodness in you. And, and it's totally empty of anything of truth. But it sounds good, and people are falling for it. And the reason that people are falling for it is because people have an interest in spiritual things. And, and so, rather than jumping all over people, and rather than telling people how stupid they are, as the church, we should be capitalizing on people's interest in Jesus, in angels, and in spiritual things. Their interest in Jesus may be completely separate from the biblical Jesus. But the fact that they have interest is a way for us uh, to, to have an open door in their life. And so I think this, this concept of angels is an important topic. Um, the Bible has a lot to say about angels, but nothing super definitive. The, the angels are mentioned a lot, but we're not given a lot of concrete information. The, the, the mention of angels is, is really spread throughout the, the entire Bible. Uh, the NASB translation uh, refers to angels 196 times, 103 in the Old Testament, uh, 93 in the New. Uh, further, these, these references are scattered throughout the Bible, and so it's not just one particular book where... Angels are being sort of uh, defined for us. They're, they're throughout the Bible. They're found in at least 34 of the 66 books. Um, and from the very earliest books, Job, Genesis, uh, to, the, to the last book of the Bible, Revelation. There are no, numerous references to angels by Jesus in the Gospels. Um, and Jesus is declared to be the creator of all things, which includes angels. Uh, and, and Paul tells us in Colossians that Jesus created the angels. And so angels are created beings. That, that they're not uh, deceased people who turn into angels. They were created as angels. And we, we need to understand that. The, the word angel means messenger, both in the Hebrew and in the Greek. The, the words mean messenger, one that's sent by God. They're, they're servants of God. They were created to do God's work, to do His bidding. As we read about in, in Hebrews 1.14, they're ministering spirits sent out 
to minister to those who will inherit salvation. They're, they're created as we talked about. Uh, I'll, I'll throw out some scriptures for you guys just really quickly. Created beings that uh, we're, we're told that in Psalm 148, 2 and 5, Colossians 1.16. They're non-human spirit beings, Hebrews 1.14. They are immortal. They don't die, Luke 20.36. They're innumerable, Hebrews 12.22. Invisible, Numbers 22. They don't have a gender. They're sexless. Matthew twenty two thirty, and so when it, do you ever notice that often on TV angels are depicted as women? I don't know why that is. They they don't have a gender. Uh, they're they're created to do the will of God. Psalm one hundred and three verse twenty. Um, they guide, they protect, they comfort. Uh, there are good angels, and there are bad angels, and. Uh, we, we probably understand that. There was a, a period of time where Satan, or Lucifer, as he was called, rebelled against God. He was lifted up with pride. He was cast out of heaven, and he took a third of the angels with him. And so two-thirds of the angels continue to serve God. And a third of the angels serve Satan, and they're referred to as demons. And so there's good angels, and there are bad angels. Uh, the only angels mentioned by name in the Bible, there are three. Gabriel, Michael, and Lucifer. Uh, Michael is always mentioned in the context of battle. Gabriel as a messenger and specifically as a messenger of all things related to Jesus Christ and the gospel. And then, of course, Lucifer, who became Satan was one of the, the highest ranking, uh, if not the highest ranking, cherubim in, in heaven, and yet now he opposes God. Though the doctrine of angels holds a really prominent and important place in the word, it's, it's often viewed as a difficult subject because... While there's abundant mention of angels in the Bible, the nature of this revelation is really, as I said, without the, the same kind of explicit description that we often find of other subjects in the Bible. Every reference to angels in the Bible is incidental to some other topic. If you think about that, if you think about all of the references to angels, all of the appearances of angels, it's always in relationship to something else. And the Bible doesn't really set out to tell us a lot about angels. When angels are mentioned, it seems to always be to inform us further about God and who He is. What he does and how he does it. A theologian uh, put it this way. One reason angels are rendered invisible to human sight may be that if they were seen, they would be worshipped. Or if we knew more about them, they would be worshipped. Man who is so prone to idolatry as to worship the works of his own hands would hardly be able to resist the worship of 
of angels were they before his eyes. And so this is probably why we don't know more about them and why they aren't visible to us. Uh, You remember in our study in the book of Colossians that the church at Colossae had been invaded by false teachers who were teaching a false humility and the worship of angels. They had gotten into this mysticism, this worship of angels. As part of a means to spirituality, they were telling them, look, you've got to, to really delve into to the angelic host to really relate to God. And Jesus was no longer preeminent. And Paul was saying, look, you can go to God directly. You don't need an angel. And that was the point uh, of that exhortation there. Paul says in Colossians 2.18, Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. And so this worship of angels today is really opposed to God. They were never created to be worshipped, to be revered, to be talked about all the time to be thinking about, to be consumed with. Angels were created to come alongside, to protect, to help, to be God's messengers. But when they become the focus of our attention, it really is a misuse of God's purpose for them. Now, are there guardian angels? Perhaps no aspect of the topic of angels is more talked about than this idea of a guardian angel. People often ask, does everyone have a guardian angel? Maybe you've thought about it, maybe you've asked it, maybe you've been asked that question. And the concept that every person has a specific guardian angel, it comes from a few different places. Psalm 91 uh, you can you can turn over there. Psalm ninety one. Jesus quotes this psalm. Actually, Satan quotes this psalm to Jesus, and then he corrects him as to the proper use of it uh, in the the temptation in the desert. But Psalm 91, verse 11, it says, For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. And so there's a protection element here with angels. And, and some believe this verse is pointing to the fact that that God has given people an angel to protect them. Uh, Andrea says that, that if, if there are guardian angels, mine's working overtime because I only have one eye. And when I'm, when I'm driving, it's like how I don't get in accidents more often is, is kind of a miracle. But... Uh, <laughs> So th- this seems to indicate some protection, possibly. Uh, but it doesn't say that there's a specific angel given to uh, people. 
If you turn over to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew 18. Verse 10. Jesus is talking about children and how that uh, whoever humbles himself as this little child, verse 4, is the greatest in the kingdom. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. He warns of offenses, about offending a little child. Then he says in verse 10, Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven there... Angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. And so it, it seems that Jesus uses a, a personal pronoun here to speak of angels that, that in a possessive sort of way. They're angels. But this is in reference to children. And so some people believe that... That God does give every child a guardian angel, a personal angel that sort of watches over them and protects them and is with them to a certain age. It's kind of unfounded. I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's reading into this verse a lot. But it does seem to indicate that there are personal angels here. Jesus seems to, to kind of reference that now can we build an entire doctrine off of this I don't think so but I think that it's safe to say that there is something to this uh, of, a, of a guardian angel of a personal angel um, this seems to be the, the, the thought process of some people in the book of Acts as well if you turn over to Acts chapter 12 If you're familiar with this section of Scripture, Peter's in prison. He's released from prison. The, the doors are opened up. An angel appears to Peter. And his chains fall off. The angel instructs him to follow him. They, they walk right out of the prison. And they show up. If you look down at verse 13, they show up at the door of the gate. Peter's knocking at, at this person's home. A girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. So they, they were there praying for Peter. He was in prison. This group of believers is praying for Peter. Peter shows up at the prayer meeting, knocks on the door. She comes to the door, is so excited about it, she runs in, tells everybody that Peter's outside at the door. But they said to her, you are beside yourself. It kind of reminds me of, of how we often pray. Like, Lord, do this, Lord, do that. And then when he does it, it's like, no, that couldn't happen, you know. You're beside yourself. There's no way God answers prayer, you know. Yet she kept insisting that it was so. So they said, it 
is his angel. And so it seems to, to be that they had a concept that there was a personal angel that may even take the likeness and even the, the, the speech of the person that they are protecting and that they were assigned to. Now again, can we develop an entire doctrine out of some people's concept in the book of Acts? Absolutely not. These people could be whacked. I mean, the Bible just records things accurately as they happened. But this is not stating doctrine. But it does speak to the fact that these believers believed in a personal angel. Jesus refers to it. So for me, I think that's enough for me to at least believe that there's something to that. Now, am I going to teach about it a lot? Am I going to refer to my guardian angel? Am I going to talk to him? Am I going to have a name for him? Probably not. In fact, I don't think about my guardian angel, if I have one, ever, if, you know, very rarely. It's just not something I focus on, because our focus needs to be on Jesus. And if he's given us a guardian angel, great. But that guardian angel would be to point us to Jesus. We shouldn't try to, you know, focus on him, or even, I I don't think, communicate with an angel, I don't think that's appropriate. And so let's, let's try to tackle a couple of these other questions. Do angels aid in giving people psychic abilities? In short, I would say yes. But what kind of angels are we talking about? Because you remember that there are Good angels, and there are evil angels. Any real messenger of God, any good angel, would not contradict the word of God. The Bible forget, forbids speaking to the dead. Deuteronomy 18, 9 through 14, you can read that on your own if you want, but it forbids speaking to the dead, conjuring up the dead. Therefore, to do so whether for something that is seemingly good is opposed to God. You remember when Saul did that? Saul was not in the will of God by doing that. But do you notice that he was able to do it? And and so it's been happening uh, throughout recorded history. People speaking to the dead and people being in tune with the supernatural. And so it's no shock that... That guys like John Edwards, who has that show Crossing Over, uh, can speak to the dead, maybe. I, I don't know. It seems like he's just taking real shots in the dark. But there are times where people say, man, that was exactly right. And that was, you know, my grandfather's name. And that was where he died. And that was the kind of food he liked or whatever. And I don't really see the point of all of it. But, it. but people are drawn to that. And they believe it. And there seems to be times where it's spot on and it's accurate. And it shouldn't surprise us because there are demons 
that are spirit beings and that are able to speak and communicate with with the dead. Just like Saul did. And so how about these psychic abilities? Have you seen some of these, um, these psychics that will help aid in crime solving? And they'll bring them in and, and you know, they, they get all like tripped out and stuff. And they'll, they'll be like, yeah, you know, it, I'm sensing it. It, it, it. The murder happened here. And it was a, it's a tall man that committed this crime, you know, and unless these people are lying, you watch like these shows, unless the law enforcement officers are lying, they, they have aided in helping solve crimes. And so people say, well, look, that, that must mean that that this is a good thing. Not necessarily. At all. The, the Bible tells us, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, that the devil masquerades himself as an angel of light. And so just because the devil does some good things to lure people into that which is opposed to God does not mean it's good. Society, in their affinity for angels and spiritual things, is clueless to the, the work of the devil and what he's doing and what his goal is. And if he can get people to focus on angels and to focus on things that are keeping their attention away from Jesus and the gospel, then, then he's totally fine with that. Even if it seems like good things. You know, what about all of these haunted houses and, and these people that, you know, had to move out of a house because th- these spirits were just tormenting them? And doors were slamming and people, you know, voices and... You know, it's the butler that lived there that was murdered in the basement or whatever, you know. And, and, and they, they see him carrying the candle down the stairs and he's, he's still ticked off, you know. What, what, about, what about all that stuff? I mean, to me it's just, again, the devil distracting people with spiritual things. To keep people away from the true and living God. Because there, there is this desire within us to relate to God. There is this, this hunger for spiritual things. And if, and if the devil can, can fill that with nonsense, then, then he's succeeded. And so I, I think... Demons could do all of those things, certainly. And why is it only certain homes and not others? I'm sure it has a lot to do with with what's gone on in those homes and the and the the fact that maybe there, there's been an openness uh, to the demonic realm 
Uh, Certainly drugs opens people up to the demonic realm, to the spiritual realm. And and people that have used mind-altering drugs have experienced demonic activity. And the, the devil cannot read our minds. The devil cannot go against the will of a person. Certainly, if God does not supersede our will, the devil does not. And so it takes a choice. It, somebody has to open themselves up to it. And, and when they do, they are given over to the devil until Jesus comes in and, and the light forces the darkness out. And so I think there's, there's real simple answers for a lot of these things that we see. And, and so I, I, I think that kind of sums up the, the questions. Are we given a personal guardian angel? I believe that it's a, a strong possibility. But it's not something that we ought to focus on. Uh, do they heal people? Not unless God gives them the power to. And, and ultimately, it would be God doing it. Now, I don't really see uh, scripturally uh, any indication of God sending an angel to heal people. Uh, but that's becoming a popular notion. Uh, but again, when you have a quote-unquote revival, and there's more talk of angels than there is of Jesus, then I've got a real problem with that. Something, something's wrong. You know, when you're, when you're calling on the angels to send fire down from heaven and, and you're calling out to angels and you know them by name, that's a little weird. Like I said, there's only three angels named in the Bible and all of a sudden, you know, now we, we know these angels on a first name basis. You know, it's Joe and Susie and, you know... They're, they're healing people and they're raising people from the dead and it just, it's crazy. Uh, we talked about psychic abilities. Uh, we talked about what we know of them scripturally and what is their purpose. So, is there anything else related to that that I can help you guys with tonight? Okay. About the Hebrews 13 verse 2. Okay. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some have unwittingly entertained angels. Yeah, kind of speaks to the fact that they're part of, they could be part of our lives. and Yeah, and I didn't talk a lot much about that, but there's certainly a lot to be said about that, that, that angels do take on different forms. We see uh, angels in the Bible with you know, uh, multiple wings and, and um, you know, eyes all around and, and you know, th- there's um, stuff spinning and moving. Ezekiel saw the, this, this figure. And then at other times they, they take on the appearance of a man. And, and they, they look just like a man. And, and so, you know, the, the verse that, that Andrea quoted could very well... Uh, be referring to that guardian angel that, um, 
you know, we're, we're unaware of so often that are, that are there. And uh, it, it could be that that person that you, you know, just treated like garbage uh, could be an angel. Um, and, you know, but, but there again, should we go around, you know, trying to figure that out? Was that guy an angel? What, what, that, maybe that was an angel. You know, I mean, I think that's a waste of time. Mark. Right. Right. I mean, I th- I think that you know each time that that phrase is used, the angel of the Lord, the 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 person that you know is referred to as that is is more than just an angel. You know what I mean? There's 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 a it's it seems to be you know God appearing to that person um, based upon uh, what is said and, and how they interact and and a lot of people believe there it's an appearance of Christ in the Old Testament and so you know when you see that three or four times then there's a the in hermeneutics, there's a principle of hermeneutics that's called expositional constancy. And so when you see something happening as a pattern, then that pattern typically carries forward throughout the Bible. Um, so I, I, would, I would say that's probably the reason. Does that, does that kind of help? I mean, it's, it's, I, know, I'm not, I know that's not a clear Yeah, I mean, it, it seems that, that that is is what most scholars believe, and, and it seems to be, you know, pretty well-founded, and I don't have any reason not to believe that, you know. My prayers every night and every morning include Holy Spirit. Thank you every morning for protection and guidance. Did that in any way... Um, the maybe clarify what what you mean. Well, that's what I'm saying. Part part of my daily prayer, morning and night, is to thank the Holy Spirit for being with me, us, guiding us, protecting us, and to me that same the guardian angel. Well, the Holy Spirit lives in our in our hearts, so um, you know I don't think you're you're interpreting that wrong at, at all. Um, if we do have a guardian angel, you know, if the, if that is something that God has given to us, then you know it would be a gift of the Holy Spirit. It would be something provided by by the Lord. And so, in thanking God for His protection, His guidance, His help. Uh, you're you're kind of covering that as well, you know. Well, I feel like God is all three. Yeah. 
Holy Spirit understand God. Yeah. I think scripturally, and you, and you can kind of split hairs a little bit with it, um, but typically, you know, we pray to the Father, um, through the Son, and by the Holy Spirit. So you don't really see people specifically praying to the Holy Spirit. And again, like I said, it's, it's splitting hairs. You know, it really is. But uh, scripturally, you know, like Jesus um, instructed the, the disciples about prayer. And, and he said, um, you know, he, he addressed the Father. And, you know, our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name, right? And so we, we pray scripturally to the Father, and we're able to do that through the Son, because the Son has, has given us relationship with God, right? And then we do that by the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8 tells us that the Spirit is praying for us and through us and really taking our limited ability to pray, because we don't even know what to pray for half the time, and kind of interpreting our groanings and our heart and, and into prayers to God. And so that's kind of the way I look at it, but I, I wouldn't like say, oh, no, you can't pray to the Holy Spirit. Just, you know, that's in my mind that, that kind of works for me. Looking back over my life, I know there's been something regarding the that's kept me out of all kinds of serious problems. It doesn't for everybody, whether we speak guardian angel or Holy Spirit. Right. Right, exactly. Right, sure. Do you think that the good angels are sinless? Do you think they need salvation? I see that question. Yeah, I didn't talk about. They were created sinless, um, but they have obviously the opportunity to sin, to do evil, because some of them chose to, and, and the devil chose to. But they were created as sinless beings the same way that Adam was created as, you know, a sinless being. Some would refer to it as untried perfection, or um, but then we've now been given sin nature based on um, that being passed down. But are, are angels in need of salvation? I don't, I don't think that there's any scriptural evidence that, a, that an angel can be redeemed. We have a special relationship with God, and that's why the angels are created higher than us. They're, they're smarter than we are. They're more powerful than we are. Uh, they don't die, you know, uh, they don't have the limitations that we do. Now, they're not God, but clearly they have a lot more power and intelligence than we do. Uh, and they know a lot more than we do. Because Jesus, even when, when he was asked about the end time scenario, remember he said, that's not uh, for me or the angels in heaven to know, but, but my Father only, right? And by Jesus saying that, it, it kind of seems like Jesus is saying, it's kind of odd for the angels not to know stuff, right? And so the angels are, are way smarter than we are, and they're more powerful than we are, but we have a higher 
um, opportunity than they do in the sense that we get to have a relationship with God that they don't get to have. And so, uh, are are they redeemed? I don't believe so. I, I think the angels that that are demons and Satan are uh, doomed to uh, the bottomless pit. Bible says that hell was created for Satan and his angels, and I don't think there's any opportunity for them to be saved. That scripturally, that that seems to be what's indicated. Anybody else? Diana. I have a question. You said that um, Lucifer and his angels have the ability to be seen as angels of light. So, if you ever happen to have an experience where you have an experience with angels, is there a way to test or a way to know whether they are angels of good or angels of bad? Well, I think as a believer, we have the Holy Spirit and we have discernment to discern between evil and good spirits, the Bible tells us. And, and so th- we have to rely upon that and just the, the Lord's discernment and just pray, you know, to be able to discern uh, between the spirits. But as an unbeliever, they don't have that ability. And so that there's the deception. Barb? Right. But it strikes me so strongly that it doesn't really, and I may be wrong saying this, but it doesn't really matter mm-hmm. to me if there are angels or if I have a guardian angel because God is all powerful. Yeah. God is all knowing. And any time that I didn't have an accident because I was trying to pass a truck, yeah. I know it was God right. who saved me. Right. It never would occur to me to think, oh, it's a guardian angel. Right. Because I feel I have the personal relationship with Christ. Right. And it is God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Trinity is one. Right. That's the that's the important thing. Right. The thing that, that He has given me. And so if there are angels doing His will, in my benefit, I still look to Him. Yeah, I think that's perfect um, way of looking at it. And if I always look at things like if God wanted me to know, then He would tell me in in the Word, you know. And there's things that are described very well, and then there's other things that are a little bit more ambiguous and dubious. And and certainly angels are one of them. We know they're they're there. We know there's a bunch of them. We know that once in a while God will allow us to see into the spirit realm. He did that with um, Elisha's servant Gehazi. Remember when the, they were surrounded by the Syrian army and, and Elisha prayed that the Lord would open Gehazi's eyes to what was going on? He all of a sudden saw a great spiritual uh, host. Um, Jesus said, I could call down legions of angels if I wanted to. And so we know they're there, we know they're busy, we know they're worshiping God and they're doing stuff and, and they're relaying messages and, the, and the, they're fighting with demons and there's just crazy stuff going on like all around us. We know that's happening, but nowhere in the Bible are we told to focus on that. So 
It's kind of the bottom line. To add to that, every time in the Bible where someone has tried to bow down and worship an angel, the angel has denied it and said, no, worship the Lord, do not worship me, it's not me. And there's been a couple of times in the Bible where it talks about that. And then when you were talking about Peter being released from the prison, you know, it clearly says that... Good, good. Okay, um, why don't we uh, close with worship? And uh, just worship the Lord in light of these things, in light of His power and His ability. And as powerful as angels are, we know the Lord is, He created them. And He rules over them and He he sends them out and He commissions them and He tells them what to do. So it's Him that we worship. Uh, Why don't we stand together and let's close with prayer and then we'll... We'll worship. Father, we thank you for this time in your word. And, and Lord, uh, these, these teachings in this series have, have been a little different. And, and, Lord, I just pray they've been a blessing and that they've uh, helped uh, answer some questions and give us some insight into things. And, Lord, we know that ultimately many of these things are, are just really not able to be answered, God, because you haven't given us the information and the insight. And so we just rest in that. And Lord, we thank you that you're always with us, that you protect us, that you guide us, that you love us so much. Lord, we just stand in awe of you tonight. We worship you, God. Thank you for this time. You've been listening to Pastor Ryan Couch of Calvary Chapel, Crook County. For more information, you can write to us at P.O. Box 378, Prineville, Oregon 97754. Thanks for listening, and God bless.